I feel like I would want to try being doused with the fire hose in some sort of setting just because I just want to know what the experience is like. I don't know. I don't need flour thrown on me. I do that in the kitchen unintentionally. But I don't know. It, it seems like it could be an interesting experience to have. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films. To keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I'm on a quest to change that. But I'm not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am joined by my lovely friend from Portland, Oregon, and the man that I know loves a pineapple more than anyone else in this world, Ben LaFave. Ben, how is it going? Hey, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. Happy to be here. Oh, happy to have you as the first official guest of the podcast. Woohoo. What an honor. Here you are. So today we're going to be talking about Shawshank Redemption. What is your background on the film? I know you said you liked the film, but when did you first see it? When have you recently seen it? What were your original thoughts? As much as you can say without spoiling things. Yeah, so I I was watching this here at work and... I don't know, I got a message from you like a week ago about watching this movie, and I was like, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, I know that movie's like super good, I've watched it maybe twice, but it's been like maybe seven years, it feels like, definitely like, probably watched it once in college when we were hanging out <laughs> on campus somewhere, but it surprised me that you hadn't watched it, so I'm glad we get to talk about it. My background on it, I know it's like, there's this guy, he's going to prison, and... You know, it, we don't really know whether or not he did the murder, and but that's not really, like, what the message of the movie is. I think there's a lot of things you can unpack in this movie, so I'm excited to get into it. But yeah, I really like the that Morgan Freeman's in it, too. That makes it fun to watch. <laughs> all the good characters and stuff. So. Definitely. Everyone's very interesting, so let's just jump right in. So, as I will do with any film that I do on this podcast... I will always tell the listeners as well as my guests what I know going into the movie. Spoiler alert for this one, not a lot. I knew that there was some sort of redemption, did not know what that entailed, and I thought someone might be named Shawshank. I wasn't sure on that second one, but also I've heard some very odd names in films and television before so you know maybe someone's last name is shawshank i have no idea it's an attention grabber the the shawshank it kind of stands out you're like what is that <laughs> it really does and i didn't know anything about this movie going in all i knew was the runtime and that was solely because i looked up the runtime to figure out how far i need to watch and the name of the movie <laughs> I will just comment on the runtime. I looked at it too when I opened up and it was like 222 minutes and it's just a weird, I'm, I'm not like big into astrology. Like I, it's not like a matter of belief, but like I see these numbers every so often, like today's the 22nd. Okay. Like there's something weird in the universe in my perspective. Oh yeah, no, that's fair. That was another reason that I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path here. I should be watching this movie at work right now. Yes. Watch the <laughs> I like movie. I to get my life way too much meaning of course <laughs> of course <laughs> anyway <laughs> As someone does no 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 you watch the movie on 
322 because i guess it's march sorry this isn't february but you know we, we do our best we watch it on march 22nd the runtime is two hours and 22 minutes it's all aligning yeah. here we go so we start off with a very beautiful song called i think it's called if i didn't care at least that's the lyric that came up the most yeah. so i'm assuming that's the name of the song it was very pretty i've just never heard it before yeah and the opening is we have a guy he is sitting in his car just looking at a house he reaches into his glove compartment pulls out a gun and some ammunition and then takes a sip of alcohol as well and i'm like aha this is our main character we're already introduced to him i didn't really know what to think of him but then we jump in and we jump to a courtroom where they're asking Mr. Dufresne. Did I say that right? Dufresne, yeah. Andy Dufresne. Lovely. So we jump to the courtroom. The DA is asking Mr. Dufresne about the confrontation that he had with his wife the night that she was murdered. Things are not looking good for Andy based on what we just saw. Andy lets him know that it was a bitter conversation, but that his wife ended up being very glad that he finally found out about the affair that she was having. She was tired of sneaking around and wanted to divorce in Reno. And my question was, why Reno? Reno? Like Vegas? I don't... Isn't... Wait, that's in Nevada, so like gambling and... Maybe that's just close. I don't know where Shawshank is, but... I don't don't either, but based on what happens very soon... I don't think that's important to the plot. I didn't really think too much on that, but... uh... I think that 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 is part of the, I guess, how the plot unfolds is you have to, can't just make up city names. It's like the context is U.S. and stuff. No, definitely. Like Reno in the States made sense, but we learned very soon that he's actually in Maine. And (laughs) that's what made me question Reno a lot more of why Reno. You're like focusing in on, wait, where, why Reno? I'm nitpicky. (laughs) Not sure if the film was intending that or not, but I'm, I want to see how it unfolds now because now I go rewatch it and see why Reno. <laughs> why Reno? I I don't know to where I've gotten so far. I still don't have an answer of why Reno. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get one. <laughs> but Dufre said that he wouldn't grant her a divorce, and apparently, according to the testimony of the neighbors, he said, "I'll see you in hell before I see you in Reno." Great line. Love that line. (laughs) So after their argument, the wife has packed a bag to go stay with Mr. Quinton. Glenn Quinton is a golf pro at Snowden Hills Country Club and also poor Mr. Dufresne's wife's lover. I don't know. I just feel bad for the guy at this point. Dufresne said that he went to a few bars after the argument and then he drove to Glenn's house to confront them both. But they weren't home, so he parked in the turnout outside. Wasn't sure of his intention, but he claims that he was confused. And at the same time, we see him loading up his revolver. A lot of this film is done with voiceovers, which I think is a very interesting storytelling tactic. And so far, they've done a very good job of not making it feel like the voiceover is just giving us information. They're also giving us proper visuals that just entice the voiceover as well to where it doesn't feel like we're just getting information shoved down our throats for the need of it. Yeah, so like something like with this film that maybe not on other films do as well is like, yeah, it's that voiceover that 
it kind of draws you in a little bit like but it doesn't give you all the detail it doesn't say like why reno <laughs> but you have to stay interested for like you know a little details because you don't know what's going to come next like that's like a really good draw like especially at this part of the film when it's just the start it like needs to like you know set up the scene but not give be a little ambiguous or like you know not reveal everything because we got you know two more hours <laughs> to watch this movie and figure out what what's gonna happen what are we gonna learn <laughs> all that stuff yeah i agree and it, it's a very good opening scene i think that pulls us in and so dufresne says that he wanted to scare the couple and the da says that when they arrived you went up to the house and murdered them. Dufresne says he did not, but that he was sobering up, and that actually he went back to the car, slept it off, and then on his way home, he threw his gun into the Royal River, and that he has been very, very clear about this. Cool. Seems straightforward. So the DA says that things get a bit hazy when the cleaning woman then shows up in the morning to Glenn's house. He finds Dufresne's wife and Glenn, both riddled with 38 caliber bullets and I felt like the bullets would come back into play later because again I don't know what this film is about so I had a feeling that these bullets are going to come back in because otherwise why would they be so specific about what type of bullet it was yeah we're like opening up the first scene of the movie and it's like a court case so this is like setting up the scene of the movie so like the rest of the movie is like takes place mostly at the jail so probably gonna want to know why we get to that part so feeling it in this way and like i think it's told in a way where it's kind of like in his perspective like the main character's perspective like he was drunk he was he did all like he's his memory of it isn't completely straight he's honest he like says that and we can tell from like the filming of it and like what we do see and what we are so we see him in his car we see him with a gun and he's drunk but we don't like see the shooting we just see clips of his lover and stuff so we 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 have we know like some things are true but we don't know if he's actually the killer and he pleads innocence later on and holds to that up until where we are he's still innocent to me so the police have searched the river for three days they have found absolutely nothing and so they couldn't compare dufresne's gun to the bullets found in the victims. We see the audience in the courtroom. Nobody really seems to have any expression one way or another, but I'm gonna, I took a guess. I was like, he's gonna be found guilty because otherwise we don't have a film. Dufresne says that he's innocent and that not finding the gun is actually quite inconvenient because if they did find the gun, then it would just prove his innocence. I agree with him. Like, I also do understand why they found him guilty because we cut back to the car, and he's drinking Rosewood whiskey. Just thought I'd point that out. I don't know if that's an actual brand, but it was called Rosewood whiskey. He steps out, he breaks the bottle on the ground, and he walks up towards the house and then stops. And this is all we see from this scene of him walking up to the house. At the same time that this is all happening, the DA's closing statement is going on, where... They're accusing Dufresne of committing the crime. They say that they have the footprints, they have the tire tracks, they have bullets on the ground with his fingerprints. They have a broken bourbon bottle with his fingerprints and a woman and her lover dead in each other's arms. And then the DA also makes it very clear to point out that a revolver only holds six bullets, not eight, but that 
each victim had four bullets, which would mean that Dufresne loaded the gun, shot all the bullets, and then proceeded to load the gun again and then shoot one more bullet per lover. Which, when he says it like that, yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah, the person interrogating him at the court case, or the, I guess, the defendant's lawyer, right? Or, right, he's a persecute, persecuting lawyer. He didn't, yeah. Yeah, he he's the he's the persecuting. Responding to the persecuting lawyer, um, yeah, so, like, their job is to, like, you know, find that the person is guilty. So, this is how they have, I guess, done their job, their justice, by this society's standards and whatnot at this time in the U.S. and however you want to read into it and view it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. And the judge agrees, and I guess the jury did as well, because Dufresne is found guilty and is sentenced to two life sentences back to back. Now, this has always confused me. How can someone serve two life sentences, you only have one life. Uh, you can be sentenced to more than one life in prison, I guess. <laughs> That's all I can say. I get that you can be, but it doesn't make sense of how that works. <laughs> That's not how time I works. I didn't write the rules here. <laughs> if anyone listening knows why this is a thing, let me know, because I legitimately <laughs> have not been able to figure this out, and I've watched it out. like a lot of things and i'm just always confused by it <laughs> so i it's kind of like math i guess they just like you can get a reduction sentence so i guess if you like did one life you could get it reduced to like 50 years or something which one of the characters later on gets released after 50 years sure at the very at the other end uh, like the midway point or other character yeah we'll get to that soon but yeah right like <laughs> It just doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, okay, even if you reduce it, I don't know, because I feel like that's a parole thing. That's not their sentence has been cut down. It's just they got parole, so they're able to There's go an out. extra barrier, I guess. So that yeah, I don't know. Really it makes no sense. <laughs> Which is basically, there's a lot of death in the prison, and that's revealed to us in a lot of different ways. It is so. This is where I made my prediction of what I think is going to happen in the film. I don't know how much you're going to be able to say, but I figured I'd let you know. <laughs> so my guess is that Dufresne is going to be in jail. That's a given. He's going to meet someone at the jail that understands the law and believes him when he says that he's innocent. And then they will work together like this loyal friend, whoever he is, and work with someone on the outside to help prove Dufresne's innocence. Somehow they'll get a hold of this gun and it'll prove that the bullets don't match. And then eventually, like I feel like in the second half of the film, Dufresne is going to get released, and then they're going to go on a quest to like get redemption to go clear his name fully and find out who actually murdered them. This is what I think is going to happen. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to hold back some less just because I know the rest of the story, and I'm, I'm, I'm already biased with that, so I'm going to just smile. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can say. So... Now we're into the lovely prison. In the prison, we walk into a room with five old white men sitting at a desk, and in walks Morgan Freeman's character. And until we learn what his character's name is, I'm just going to call him Morgan Freeman. So <laughs> we learn that Morgan Freeman has served 20 years of a life sentence. See, this makes sense. It's only one life sentence. There's no discrepancy. One life, one sentence. Makes sense. Anyway, so... He served 20 years of a one-life sentence and believes that he's been rehabilitated 
and says that he's been a changed man, still rejected for parole, doesn't get it. So Morgan Freeman's character goes back to the yard. This is where we learn that his character's name is Red. And he's just like, yep, it was the same old shit, just a different day. And I like this friend who's just like, yep, I'm up for rejection next week. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, many different attitudes around the prison characters and stuff. Totally. I did just like that, you know, I could kind of tell from just the first scene from what we've seen so far and like about, I think we're about eight minutes into this film at this point. It does feel like this is going to be a very dark film. It doesn't feel like it's much of a comedy. If it is, I'm surprised. No. If you looked at the genre, I think you'd find drama. <laughs> Probably. Like I said, I looked up three things about this film. Actually, I looked up one thing about this film because I already know the, I already knew the name of it. Yeah. I just looked up how long it was so that I knew what the halfway point was to stop watching. <laughs> yeah. So That's I'm, how the podcast I'm watching works. it with a with a completely different set of eyes. So I've like seen it before. I know like basically how the story begins and ends. So I'm looking for a lot of like different things when I'm watching the story. Um, like maybe watching it more like if I was in like an English class. Uh, that's just because Shawshank Redemption is like a, it, it's like one of those movies you can watch that way, I think. Um, and there might be a lot of other movies out there that like you just sit down and enjoy and you don't really have to figure out or look into. I think you can watch it like that, but I think you miss a lot of like uh, the intentionality behind like the writing and the characters and the story arcs and whatnot. Yeah, but it's a there's a lot to you can go on this film a different direction. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot. There's, to and there's a fun part. I think like in the two hours and twenty two minutes, there's probably a part anyone like can kind of see is like, oh wow, that really left an impact on me because there's a lot of impactful stuff on this movie. Definitely. So we now see that Red is the guy in the prison. He can get cigarettes, a bag of reefer, brandy. Anything within reason, he is the guy. I'm like, cool, sounds good. And so the siren then goes off and everyone starts. I thought that they were heading inside. It turns out I was wrong. New prisoners were showing up. So, and in the voiceover, Red says that Andy Dufresne in 1949 asked Red to smuggle Rita Hayworth into the prison for him. I was very confused, but also we don't get an answer for this for a while. So I have in my notes, I'm like, how did he sneak a woman into the prison? We'll figure out how later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, movie's like, too bad. You don't get to find out now. Uh, but I just told you, so uh, you're going to have to wait and find out what that means. And half the audience is probably just like, who is Reed Hayward? I'm just going to assume that sounds like some maybe celebrity or someone I should know. But it's... Yeah, everyone at the time, I guess, would know the actress. <laughs> yeah, I guess in 1949, everybody knew who Rita Hayworth was. I don't, hence the <laughs> podcast. I haven't watched a lot of films. So we then get a shot of the prison, and it's a beautiful shot. It looks like a mansion from the front with the prison at the end of the road. You have the road leading up to it only has black cars. You see one white van driving down that road. And at first I was like, Rita? No, not Rita. Prisoners. That makes a lot more sense. But it's just a beautiful shot. But also it made me realize, wow, 
prisons look really nice on the outside, but are horrendous on the inside. Ooh, see, I didn't even pick up on that. Like, I looked at the prison, but I wasn't even looking at like whether or not it was like beautiful or not. Like, but yeah, I think I think you have a point there. Like, it looks like some sort of like fancy correctional facility. But yeah, I remember back in middle school, we used to run our state track meet or state cross country meet next to the women's prison but it didn't look like a prison from outside like literally we would run past the prison like we could see the prison we could see the yard as we were running past in the middle of somewhere kentucky i don't know but it doesn't look like a prison outside and it's just wild to think about that sometimes and that why, you might should it like it's to make everybody on the outside feel comfortable like if it looks like a prison you're gonna be like oh this is dangerous i don't want to be here but you know people work there and so it's really for the you know the privileged people that are free yeah definitely so we learned that andy has come to the prison in 1947 and that he used to be the vice president of a large portland bank immediately i was like Portland, Oregon, but he's in Maine. No, no, he meant Portland, Maine. <laughs> I thought I thought Portland, Oregon, because I'm actually from Portland, Oregon. So just it, the story sounds better to me if it's in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> no. Fair enough. I mean, no. <laughs> you spent a lot of your life there, and I spent four years of my life there. So <laughs> yeah, much clearer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know where everything is now. Like you know, you reference it, and it's just ah, oh, it makes so much more sense. <laughs> I can go to the world's smallest park and just be happy. <laughs> so everyone, all the prisoners are applauding and cheering for the new inmates. And I was very confused on why. Like, I was like, why are they so excited to have more prisoners? We'll learn very soon. And we have multiple men. They filter out of the van. They're lined up. Andy looks disturbed, understandably so. And... Then we cut to Red and his friends, and they start taking bets for smokes, coins, whatever. And they Red asks, who's your horse? I don't know what that means. I Did you understand what that meant right away, or did it take you a little while until we actually understand what they're betting on, which we'll get to very soon? But yeah, I, I kind of seen it, so I knew they were doing some sort of betting. Then I, I guess it maybe took a few like a minute to kind of see where it was going. But like, yeah, I could tell they're um, Fair enough. Si- yeah. sizing up the new crew. I wasn't paying super close attention, but uh, uh, yeah, they were, they were betting. Yeah. I mean, they were betting on somebody um, to do something. That's all I understood was they were betting on someone to do something. And the person who currently I'm going to call discount Brad Pitt takes, <laughs> he votes for the chubby fat ass to be his horse. Again, do not know what any of this means. I am very confused as I'm going through this. So Red's first impression of Andy was that a stiff breeze would just blow him over. And then Red bets on him. And at this point, I was very annoyed. I was like, what are they betting on in all caps in my notes? I just wanted to know. (laughs) (laughs) I was very annoyed that I still wasn't getting answers. No one wanted to tell me. Ankit that I would say you need to watch twice because the second time like you watch this you will not be paying attention to that you'll be paying attention to like what they're saying and like why they're saying it I was paying attention to what they were saying as well but also at the same time I was like what's going on I just feel like I've been in your shoes where I'm like yeah like what the heck's going on like that first time I watched Shawshank absolutely there were so many questions 
that's but, uh, what we're here for it's it's really enjoyable the second time too i would say <laughs> get to watch it in a completely different light Cool. Definitely, definitely. So we learned that Red's friends, their names are Haywood, Jigger, Skeet, and Floyd. Lovely. Just some straight <laughs> fire names. You have some very eerie music. Andy goes into the prison for the first time. All the new prisoners are brought into a room where they meet Mr. Hadley, who is the captain of the guards, and Mr. Norton, who is the warden, who I will continue from now on call warden, because it's just easier. So he's just a simple man. He's wearing a blue suit, a light blue shirt, a blue striped tie, and some round glasses. I think the guy likes blue. So he has a couple of rules. Rule number one is no blasphemy. And all the other rules, the prisoners will figure out as they go along. Seems about right. He asks any questions, and one prisoner, like a dumbass, goes, Yeah, when do we eat? Immediately, I was like, stupid. <laughs> this is not a question you ask. So Hadley walks over, gets to his face, and he says, you eat when we say you eat, you shit when we say you shit, and you piss when we say you piss. You got that, you maggot dick motherfucker. Right after saying no blasphemy, just the Lord's name, but you can you can talk as much shit to each other and name call. You, you cannot take the Lord's name in vain. Anything else, I don't care. <laughs> and, nor, and then Hadley proceeds to, as soon as he completes saying you maggot dicked motherfucker, he punches the man in his dick. Norton then tells us he believes in discipline and the Bible. He tells the prisoners to put their trust in the Lord, but that their ass belongs to him. Killer line. Loved it. Amazing. And then the warden says, Welcome to Shawshank. And that's when I go, Oh, Shawshank is the name of the prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> We need to find out the redemption part now. We have to find out the redemption, but in my defense, I was right. Shawshank was a name. I was just incorrect in thinking that it was a person's name. Sounds like somebody's getting shanked at Shawshank. We do see a lot of shivs later on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very common thing. I feel like there's not a lot of security at this prison based on what we will learn very soon. Oh, well, this is like 19-something, 1930, 1947. Okay, see, I should have paid more attention. <laughs> important stuff <laughs> well on that note now that we know that Shawshank is the name of the prison we're going to take a very short intermission where you know the listeners you get to hear about some fun things on how you might be able to support the podcast if you so choose to but yeah we're going to transition over to that donate to Ankit's Patreon or whatever he has <laughs> <laughs> we'll transition over to that and then we'll come right on back Hello and welcome to the intermission. This is a little segment of the show where I'm just going to go over some housekeeping things and potentially in the future where future adverts might be and things like that. So first off, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode and I hope that you're enjoying it so far. If you would like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash postfinale. After signing up, you'll get access to some bonus content such as my notes, bonus audio, and the opportunity to help me decide what films to watch in the future and what the show will potentially look like. So, if any of this is of any interest to you, head on over to patreon.com postfinale. Now, any money that is made 
from the Patreon will go directly back into the show. The money will be used to buy better microphones, better editing softwares, etc. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, that's great as well. Tell a friend about the show. The best way to grow it is just word of mouth. Reach out and just say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch more movies. Check out this new podcast. Talk about us on social media. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. All of these little things help. And I appreciate every single one of you that has already done this and every single one of you that will do this in the future. So with all that through, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And let's get back to the episode and learning about Andy's first night in prison. And we're back. So last we learned Shawshank is the name of the prison. We then cut to the prisoners as their first day at the prison. They get sprayed down with the fire hose, which just seems like fun. I mean, outside of being in a prison, but that just seems like a fun time, just getting sprayed with the fire hose. I don't know how cold that water was or how hard it was hitting. They were saying their skin was burning. No, no, they they then deloused them, and it looked like they were throwing flour on them. And (laughs) I don't know what the flour was, but I want to... I don't know. It seems like an interesting experience. I do say, like, we I don't get showered like that and I don't get stuff thrown at me like that. But maybe once, maybe not in a prison setting. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, I feel like I would want to try being doused with the fire hose in some sort of setting just because I just want to know what the experience is like. I don't know. I don't need flour thrown on me. I do that in the kitchen unintentionally. But I don't know. It, It seems like it could be an interesting experience to have. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> it was an interesting scene. It was definitely interesting. And as all the prisoners are walking to their bunks, Red's voiceover comes in, and he says that the first night is always the toughest. You're marched through naked as the day you were born. Your skin is burning, and you're half blind from the delousing shit that they throw on you. And when they put you in the cell and the bar slam home, that's when it all sinks in. And those are just some powerful, powerful words coming in. And Morgan Freeman delivers them way better than I can deliver them. (laughs) You're not as good as Morgan Freeman at delivering lines on it? I'm really sorry. (laughs) That man has had significantly more experience than I have. (laughs) I am starting my career as an actor. (laughs) Maybe you can end somewhere close. (laughs) I would love to end my career somewhere close to the work that Morgan Freeman has done because it is beautiful. But just some powerful lines where, you know, I don't know anyone that has been in this situation. And, you know, I'm very thankful that I don't. And maybe I do, and I just don't know that they were in that situation, and that's completely okay as well. But I feel like it sinks home the way that he delivers those lines of like, yeah, like, hey... Someone might have done a bad thing, but that doesn't mean that life in prison is going to be easy. You know, a lot of taxpayers think, oh, like all your meals are done and it's a routine and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. And I think this film, as we continue, shows a lot of that, how it is actually quite difficult. And sure, it's set in the late 40s, early 50s, I'm guessing, up until where I am, it's like 52 to the point where I've watched until. 
but even then like i'm sure that things have changed you know now being 2023 but i don't know how much and it just really hit home of like yeah it it sucks yeah it definitely like you know transitioning from the intro to like the main i guess stage where the movie set is the prison so they have to they they really throw it all out like at the beginning they're like they put you in as if like you're showing up there day one and uh, they're, they're showing you all the horrors because that's probably what it feels like when you're in his shoes, Andrew Dufresne's shoes. You're you're just thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm wrongfully convicted. I shouldn't be here. And we see the the horse, the guy that's like, oh, I shouldn't be here. He he eventually goes to the infirmary because he got he freaked out and the warden's men like beat him up because they weren't having his annoyance. <laughs> so. He's he ends up <laughs> losing his life just because of um, a sequence of these horrific events. Like that's something, that's a situation that you could end up in. But we're in Andrew Dufresne's kind of shoes here, and he's he's not crunched under the first day, which was a shock to Red. He like betted against it, but now he's in it for the like he he made it through day one, and he we 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 track his progress for the next I guess up to. It ends up at ten years, I think, where we where we paused. But yeah, this <laughs> yeah. Start. I mean, it's it's wild, and yeah, like you were just mentioning, the next thing we finally learn what they're betting on, and that when new people come in, it's madness the first night. Some of them start breakdown crying. The only question is who, because someone is going to. So that's what they're betting on. And after the lights go out, some of the older prisoners start making fun of the first-timer. Red calls it going fishing with the first-timers, which is wild. But they don't stop until they reel someone in. And so, discount Brad Pitt, who I thought his name was Jigger, turns out his name was Haywood. So, he starts talking to Fatass, tells him not to listen to the others, this place ain't too bad, tells him he'll introduce him to some bull queers who'd love to make his acquaintance, especially that big mushy butt of his and uh, terrible you terrible things the lines yourself? <laughs> no i'm just saying what was said <laughs> i am the messenger <laughs> so but fat ass ends up breaking down and says god i don't belong here and everyone is absolutely thrilled that this guy has broken down and the men start all chanting fresh fish and i started laughing like i felt terrible for fat ass but also i just found it really funny that all the guys just started chanting fresh fish immediately after it happened (laughs) hadley walks in he tells fat ass to shut it or that he will sing him a lullaby i don't have a feeling that it's gonna be a very good lullaby (laughs) we do see haywood he tells the guy to shut up but he doesn't obviously hadley drags fat ass out of his cell into the middle where everyone can see and then he beats the pulp out of fat ass and as this is being as this is happening and as you know fat ass is trying to say i i don't belong here i'm not supposed to be here i couldn't help but notice the guys in the background in the prison And I caught two lines that two of them said, and one was, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here either. 
love that guy <laughs> and the second one which was by far the funniest line so far in this film was hey you run this place like a prison <laughs> uh, <laughs> i didn't pick up on those that was actually funny hearing it but like i was watching it and being like traumatized so like that was like just noise to me at the time <laughs> oh fair enough i was like oh my god this is happening they are beating him to a pulp but also silliness because <laughs> i'm oh. going through these films with the fine-toothed comb so of course i'm gonna pick up on the silliness and various things and then what threw me wild was that the guards just left Feraz there for the trustees to take him to the infirmary that was, that was the end of it <laughs> that was the end other yeah. than the first night Andy ended up costing Red two packs of cigarettes because he never made a sound, and Red was like, God damn it. <laughs> so we have the next morning, we have all the prisoners. They step out, they roll into the cafeteria, and they seem to be having bread, potatoes, eggs, and porridge. And in the porridge, Andy finds a maggot, a very old gentleman, seems like a nice dude, Asks if he can have it. He feeds it to his pet bird who is in his coat. The bird's name is Jake. I'm in love with Jake. I love Jake. I'm in love with this old man. Like, this old man is just looking after Jake until he's big enough to fly because Jake fell out of his nest. He's just a kind old man feeding a poor little bird. Brooks. <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah, we do learn soon that his name is Brooks. I don't remember I think his name. I didn't really remember earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, all good. I do remember his name. I think we learn it a bit later. So... We then have Haywood. He comes to the table, collects his reward. He's super happy. Um, tells tells everyone that, like, hey, I, I picked the right horse. I got to give him a sloppy kiss when I see him next. And then he asks someone named Tyrell, who's at the table next to them, you know, how how's my horse doing? And Tyrell tells him that fat ass is dead. And what happened was that Hadley busted his head open pretty good the doc had already went home for the night and the poor bastard was just laid there until the morning and that's wild and they're just like awkward silence <laughs> they're just like awkward silence and no one says a thing and then andy's like what's his name and i'm like andy shut up yeah they're like oh nobody cares what his name is he's dead yeah and haywood legitimately says that it doesn't matter what his name is dead and it's wild to think that that's what it used to be like i don't know if it's still like that but I, I wouldn't say this movie is even like a it's not a documentary so i don't think you should watch it like in the sense of like it's accurate but like maybe more so it's a drama so it's like what is this saying about life <laughs> right but also like when i think of how things used to be i think like obviously things are heightened yeah. and obviously it's a it's a mirror too so well like, obviously there's... this has happened yeah like it, they're not just making this up like they're definitely pulling like prison life and putting it on the big screen so there's like there's a conversion process but it's a mirror <laughs> definitely and it's i think they're doing a really good job where they take aspects of the truth so far and then they just heighten it and that's what film is and that's what tv is is you take real life you have to slightly heighten it because otherwise things are not going to be interesting to watch. But that's all it is. They have some freedom too, like with it being like set in an older time, and this is like movie came out like in the two thousands or something. So I thought it came out it, in it, the nineties. Maybe nineties. 
it it's I would say a current. <laughs> it's like in color. It's not like at the time when they're watching black and white. Fair enough. Fair enough. I do. Yeah, I think it's in the nineties. It's not. I don't think it's like older than thirty years old. I think it's about 30 years old because if I remember right in the quick Google search that I did just to figure out how long the movie was, I think I saw 1994, but don't quote me on that. And I'm not going to look it up in case some spoilers pop up. So, you know, I'll I'll find out eventually (laughs) on when it came out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then in the showers, we see a ginger guy and he asks Andy if anyone has gotten him yet or come to him yet and offers to be Andy's friend. I don't like this guy. He's creepy. Yeah. They later say, like, uh, about, like, this character and their gang. They call them, like, the sisters. Yeah, so... we learn about him soon. But my first impression was I just don't like him. He, yeah. like, <laughs> very well done to you the shouldn't. actor <laughs> and to the writers where this guy has been on screen for yeah. 13 seconds and I'm already, yeah. like, die. Yeah. Kudos to the, the acting and the way they... They set up the scene to inspire that emotion. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So we have... It did slightly remind me of the shower scene. Have you seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Mm, not the shower. <laughs> not, not enough of it, sorry. I know, okay. I know the actors and I've seen a few episodes. It's wild to think that I have seen something that you haven't, but cool. Yeah, like I said, I watch, I watch TV, not... I love, I love Andy Samberg to death. I love him. I think Terry Crews is on that too. Terry Crews is on it. There are some very, very good actors in that show. Um, comedy. Comedy. <laughs> but police. <laughs> <laughs> police. No, so, but like it reminded me a bit of there's a point where Andy Samberg's character, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it, if you don't want to hear this, skip like a minute over this but he's in the shower and he's trying to figure out where the drugs are and he takes a shower and the drugs are in the soap and so but it just when i saw prison shower scene i was like aha drugs in the soap i was like the drugs are in the soap um, <laughs> I I just the first thing that popped into my head i've got you figured out Shawshank. <laughs> i've got it figured out the drugs are in the soap. That's the answer. <laughs> but, oh, after you said Shawshank, I just remembered why the other reason I know Shawshank Redemption is I was watching a YouTube video by the YouTube channel How Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen their videos. But in that video, one of them throws something at, like, mugs like a ton of mugs sees how many that they can break doesn't go very well and then one of the guys just goes shawshank redemption and i was like i don't know what this is supposed to mean or anything and now that i think about it it doesn't make any sense in that video either (laughs) (laughs) i want to go rewatch this (laughs) get to the bottom why he said so we learned from red's voiceover that andy has kept to himself a lot and you know, he probably had a lot on his mind. He was trying to adapt to life on the inside. And after a month, he opened his mouth and finally said more than two words to someone. And that someone just happened to be Red. Red tells him that he'll fit right in when Red 
is like, oh, you're the guy who, you know, the banker who killed his wife. And he was like, nah, I'm innocent. And Red was like, yeah, you'll fit right in just saying that you're innocent. And then he turns to Haywood, who he's throwing a baseball with. And he's like, Haywood, what did you do? And he was just like, nothing. I'm innocent. The lawyer fucked me over. <laughs> I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> he's funny. So Red says that there's a rumor that Andy's just a really cold fish. But Red hasn't actually made up his mind on Andy yet. And Andy asks Red to get him a rock hammer. Do you know what this is until before Red describes it? Like, have you ever heard of a rock hammer? I've seen it before on Git. I, I can, and I can use my brain to be like, rock hammer? Okay. Okay. Maybe. He describes it. It's like a small, it's a small hammer. It's a small hammer. He describes it in the movie <laughs> later on. So I don't need to figure it out. The movie no, tells me. <laughs> he does. I'm just asking like, because I, I was just asking, do yeah, you know does, what this is outside of him am explaining I it to you? Am I knowing what this is kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, am I great? Uh, like, before the movie, probably didn't know. I'm not a geologist. <laughs> oh, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't know. About I, know <laughs> I know now, apparently, a rock hammer is, it's six to seven inches long, looks like a mini pickaxe, and it's used on rocks. Cool. That's all there is to it. Like, he explains it pretty quickly. He's a pickaxe. He's trying to play Minecraft, dude. <laughs> he really is. He wants, he wants to play real-world Minecraft. And Andy looks at the ground. They apparently have quartz, mica, shale, limestone. I've heard of quartz and limestone. I don't think I've heard of the other two, but I'm not a geologist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so... <laughs> the rocks. Uh, we don't really know what the rocks are for, but... Probably find out later on halfway through. Yeah, the we find out fairly soon. But Andy just explains that you know he used to be a rock hound. He like he liked looking at rocks and like collecting rocks and stuff. And he would like to continue that on some type of degree. Fair enough. Yeah, Andy's like a different kind of character. Like, and Red's Red is like the voiceover that kind of like is pointing the camera at Andrew and just being like. This guy's a little different, and he didn't crack on the first night, even though he kind of, like, has the demeanor like he would. He's pretty docile. And so now we're like, why is he playing with rocks? <laughs> Definitely. Um, he's Andy's yeah. a very interesting character. Because we never really know what's going on, like, in his head. So we then learn Red tells Andy, you know, just use someone's skull. Andy's like, I have no enemies in here. Red just tells him to wait. This is where we learn about the sisters. So the sisters are a gang in in the prison, and they have taken a liking to Andy, especially Boggs, who was the ginger. I already didn't like him. Bad guy. <laughs> Bad guy. So Red, Andy tells Red, like, hey, I'm not gay, I'm not a homosexual, and Red says, yeah, they aren't either. But you have to be human first, and the sisters barely qualify. I like the little dig that Red has going on there. I, I don't know if it's even a dig. I think he's saying it as real and true as he can. <laughs> like, it is Fair a dig. Like, he's saying he's not human, like, and they're calling him sisters. But, but it's really, I think, closer to the point. If, if I were to call him human, that just sounds really uncomfortable. And I don't really see, like, his character not displaying, like... What we think about when we think, okay, Human. good person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, seeing what happens soon, 
I agree. At this moment, I thought that it was just like a dig because we didn't. We still don't know anything about them. Yeah, like it. it at, at first, it does seem kind of like he like he just kind of approaches Andrew. Like he doesn't go straight into like harming him and whatnot, which we he goes into later on. But yeah, it is kind of like why are these people giving me this unwanted attention? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And so (laughs) we learn that the bull queers take by force. It's all that they want. It's all that they understand. And then we move on. Red tells Andy not to use the rock hammer as a weapon. Andy laughs. And is like, yeah, that's not really possible. And then Red also thinks that Andy might use this to escape. And Andy just laughs again. And I just thought it was beautiful. And didn't explain the joke. but It was just like, you'll see what I mean soon enough. Red agrees to get him the rock hammer for 10 bucks and warns Andy about su- surprise inspections and that if he gets caught, Andy doesn't know Red. If Andy mentions his name, they will never do business again. Seems like college. <laughs> business. <laughs> business deal. Business deals in college work yeah, about the same way. Happened. In this part, he, he like, uh, brings up, like, uh, why you have any enemies in here? Like with this like getting this hammer and he's like no i don't have any enemies in here and he's like well just give it time and that's happening at the same time like uh, we that we're learning about the sisters i thought it was very good foreshadowing because but yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see how uh how justice is served on that i guess it's kind of like us a... we'll find out yeah it's a side plot we'll get to it soon and so Red then has another voiceover again. There are so many of these, but they're all very well done. I never feel taken out of it when a voiceover comes on in this film. Or some films, sometimes you do. But so Red's voiceover, he understands why some people look at Andy and think of him as snobby. He was quiet, had a walk and a talk that just wasn't normal for most of the other prisoners that were in there. He strolled like a man in a park without a care or worry in the world. Like he had an invisible coat that could shield him from this place. That was just beautiful. And Red was just like, yeah, I kind of liked Andy from the start. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that, you know, we're slowly starting to see Andy make a life for himself in this prison, as difficult as it may be. And I was like, aha, Red is going to become the friend to help Andy get his redemption. Here we go. I'm still (laughs) on track. Everything's going okay. I like the nod and smile because you can't say much. (laughs) I'm I'm disagreeing with what you're saying. I don't have much to add there. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Just that part. (laughs) Just that. So a shipment comes in that like the next time that we see. I'm assuming that it's a few days later. Shipment comes in. And a very subtle glance is given from the guy outside who's bringing it in. He gives the glance to a prisoner. This guy finds a pouch in, like, the duffel of clothes and stuff that they got back. Red goes up, grabs some new sheets, pays the man with some cigarettes, and gets the little package. And the package is a rock hammer. And like Andy described, it is legitimately a tiny pickaxe. Tiny little rock hammer. Like, yeah, at most, like, it would be... It would be a pickaxe for a toddler. Like, it would be a full-size pickaxe for a toddler who can't walk yet. 
yeah, it's gonna be stealthy. You're in a prison. <laughs> you get the delivery. How big this is? Yeah. Red then gives our old man, uh, whose name is Brooks. He gives him the rock hammer to then deliver to Andy, and Andy gets it, and it's lovely. And you know, good for Andy. He's starting to build his life, and things are starting to happen for him, and I'm happy for him. And things are starting to look good. So we then cut to Andy working in the laundry room. And he's told by his boss that they need some more Hexalite as they're running low. Don't know what Hexalite is, but I'm assuming it's something that's needed for laundry. (laughs) It's a dark room that he goes into in the back. And in walks Boggs. And I'm like, oh, remember how I just said things were going well? Yeah, not anymore. It's dark. Yeah. Andy gets ambushed by three people, and total, including Boggs. He tries his best to fight back, but in the end, he gets beaten to a pulp, and they don't say it, but you can assume that he probably got raped as well. Yeah, he definitely got taken advantage of, and that's... <laughs> yeah, it, it begins a series of these, like, so this goes on. This becomes a regular thing in prison life. Definitely, and... For Andy, because he's docile he's not a threat and they have picked him out yeah i mean andy never said who did it obviously everybody in the prison knew and red tells us that you know it became a routine and that prison is a routine and i think this was another line that hit very well when he was mentioning that prison is a routine and this just became andy's routine and that his routine was that he had to fight off the sisters from time to time Sometimes he won and sometimes he lost. Yeah. And that's scary to think of. I understand where they're coming from of prison is a routine, but if your routine is something where you're in a harmful situation potentially any single day, that's not a healthy routine for anybody to potentially get better, to potentially, you know, if you are in prison, it's not a healthy routine to be able to maybe things back together maybe you know because you hear about the stories of people who they've gone to prison for something that they've done they've come out and then they go on to get a degree and they're okay and you know but that can only happen if they're given that chance inside the prison and based on what we're seeing that's not andy currently no he uh this is kind of like i think one of the first major like character arcs for him like or he doesn't really even seem to have a character arc necessarily he, because we we're trying to figure out him the whole time. Um, but it definitely like reveals something about his character, like because of the first thing that we saw is somebody like getting freaked out, panics, then gets beaten up and dies. But now like he's getting beaten up, but he's not panicking. He like he doesn't have he's aware of like what's out of his control and like fighting them off to the full of his capability. He does not want this to happen. But he knows that if he takes action against it, it's only going to end up with, like, further down the line, either him dead or some some result that he doesn't want that outcome. And this is the the least harmful outcome, is just fighting against it. It's really horrific, but... It, it, I think it really um, opens up like what is going on up here like he is different like what's happening up here what are the things he's focusing on he's focusing on these rocks and 
later on gets into like the library and stuff and living his life like the way he wants to live it yeah so just you know red also tells us that he believes that the first two years were the hardest years for andy and that if things continued that way then shawshank would have gotten the best of andy but then in 1949 things began to change and i think that that is the lovely place that we are going to end this very first episode you know leave things on a little bit of a cliffhanger things are about to change things might be getting better i really hope that they do because things have not been going well for andy so far and yeah ben do you have any more thoughts on anything that we have covered in this portion so far what we've covered up up until him getting acquainted with prison life and basically at the lowest part i think of well there's a lot of subjectively lower parts but uh this is definitely like created it set up the whole movie i think to play out from here like um i think from here on like we're we're really just there to watch the journey unfold like this is the situation he's found in like how do we get to the end the the redemption part maybe that'll come in the next half (laughs) we'll find out but yeah definitely i agree that it's done a very good job this has been pretty much set up and now we are at the point of all right time to move forward and figure things out i'm feeling less confident about my prediction that he's going to eventually try to find out who actually committed the murder but i'm still holding true to that because nothing has told me otherwise and you know so far, it's Andy's been trying to figure out how to adjust, and that's okay, and that's understandable. He has a, two life sentences, even though he has one life, and he's got to figure out how to survive before he can figure out how to potentially clear his name. Yeah. And so I think, I, I still believe that that's what's going to happen. I do not know. We will find out soon. But... Yeah, Ben, is there anything if people want to find you on the internet? <laughs> go if... follow me on Instagram, baby. Yeah, go ahead. Ben's favorite. I, uh, I don't really post regularly, but uh, hey, I'm always happy to talk to people that are cool and talk about interesting stuff. So uh, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being the very first guest. It has been an absolute pleasure having you. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to support the show and get access to some more bonus content, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash postfinale. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at PostFinalePod. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch movies. Check out this new podcast. Talk about us on social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you use to listen to the show. All of these things help, and I appreciate all of you who have already done so, and all of you that will do that in the future but I'm just thankful that y'all joined me for this episode and listen to this episode of Post Finale. 
and be sure to join us next week as Ben returns once again and we continue our discussion of the Shawshank Redemption and what changes are coming now that it is 1945. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later.